Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Wednesday, August 30th, and we're talking about Gilead Sciences' acquisition of Kite Pharmaceuticals. I'm your host, Michael Douglas, filling in for Christine Hargis this week, and I'm joined in the studio, as always, by Todd Campbell. Todd, good to see you today. Reunited. It feels so good. I'm not a singer, Michael, but it's great to have you back on the show. It's going to be fun today talking about Kite and Guild. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'll, I'll go ahead and give our listeners uh, a little expectation that that will probably not be the only song we sing on today's episode. So we'll get to that in a minute. But first off, let's go to the headline. Gilead finally, finally pulled the trigger and bought somebody. Kite Pharmaceuticals. They uh, announced this on Monday. $180 per share in cash. That's an $11.9 billion valuation. 29% premium to the prior close. If that sounds uh, rich to you, keep in mind that's actually fairly typical in biotech. You will often see uh, double-digit, sometimes sometimes even more, gains um, upon announcement of a deal close, just because you usually have to offer a pretty significant premium to get a company to agree to be bought. Um, can, if you consider, if you are a Kite shareholder, or uh, if you know a Kite shareholder, be sure to pat them on the back, Kite IPO'd three years ago at $17 per share, and is now subject to the normal closing conditions, of course, being bought for $180 a share. That's a pretty darn good investment over three years. We'll dive more into Gilead's strategy a little further in. But first, let's break down the deal, what Gilead's getting here. Then we'll turn to kind of Gilead's overall M&A strategy. And then finally, we'll talk about, well, what we think the deal. Certainly, Todd and I are both Gilead shareholders. So is Christine, by the way. And we're, and I'm certainly pretty, pretty excited to hear about this deal, but we'll get into that at the end. So, let's start with breaking down the deal and looking at um, Kite Pharmaceuticals' pipeline. First question, of course, that I think anyone should ask is, okay, what sort of cancer drugs does Kite Pharmaceuticals invest in? Uh, and the primary um, area that they are working is what's called CAR-T. And CAR-T, Michael, is probably one of the most exciting uh, developments um, There's so in, in cancer research over the course of the last few years. And I say few years because it's, it's downright remarkable how quickly, Michael, these have gone from clinical stage or preclinical stage, I should say, uh, uh, you know, ideas to now, as of today, uh, commercial stage medicines. You right. know, I, if listeners haven't heard yet, Novartis, which also participates in the CAR-T space, uh, just won approval today for the very first uh, FDA-approved CAR-T medicine, and that drug is called uh, Kimraya. Yeah. And, and basically, that's just it just speaks to the, the promise for this entire class of drugs. It also speaks, Michael, to the, to the timing of Gilead Sciences. I mean, how savvy, right? You <laughs> announced the deal the same week that the first CAR-T ever wins approval. Well, and what's really interesting about the FDA's approval of Novartis's drug is that it came before the expected uh, PDUFA date, which is usually the sort of promised date that the FDA will promise to look at things by. The fact is that they came to Kimraya, which, by the way, if you ever need to sort of remember how to pronounce that, think like Kumbaya, Kimraya. Anyway, that was the, mu- the second song. That was the musical number. I promised. You're all welcome. <laughs> um, but that the yeah, FDA no, yeah, I, moved I think on this you- early. That's huge. 
Yeah, I think I think that you're you're right to to look at that and say, wow, what, what could that mean mm-hmm. for Gilead Sciences now that it's bought Kite? But I guess let's back up the the wagon a little bit and we'll explain a little bit more uh, what's driving the deal and what's going on. I mean, a- as you alluded to earlier, one of the most anticipated um, news events of the year was, you know, what will uh, Gilead Sciences do with its absolutely mountainous and growing uh, pile of cash? Mm-hmm. And we found out obviously this week that it wants to become a major player in oncology, and it's willing to do that not by buying just an individual drug, but buying a platform that will allow it to develop drug after drug after drug for increasingly more indications, Mm -hmm. and that platform is CAR-T. And it's interesting because you look at Kite's pipeline, they've got about a dozen drugs in phase one or earlier, so that's a very expansive pipeline that should really help Gilead hopefully get some wins over the next many several different years. Um, That represents just an enormous optionality and number of opportunities for them. As well, though, you have this lead drug. It's called uh, AxiCell. The the long name, trust me, you don't want to hear me try to pronounce it because I'll just butcher it. But um, AxiCell has already completed phase three testing and has a PDUFA date with the FDA on November 29th. Now, of course, will the FDA, (laughs) you know, jump the gun on that one too? Who knows? But I think the chances are pretty good, Michael. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? You don't know that. But, you know, think about what happened with Novartis and their drug. It went to an advisory committee or an adcom meeting, and it was unanimously voted, uh, the the, the advisory committee voted unanimously to recommend its approval. Mm -hmm. And after that happened, the FDA told Kite, we're not even going to bother with an adcom for you. Right. Uh, all very... So, I mean, that could mean that, you know, Gilead Sciences has a, the, 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 this deal isn't supposed to close until the fourth quarter. And depending on when this is approved, the Paduva date for AxiCell is November 29th. If they approve it in October, theoretically, you could have the company getting bought after it's actually won uh, um, uh, approval and there, therefore it can be commercialized. But again, just to back up for one second, probably helpful to, for, for new listeners. We've talked about CAR-T in the show in the past. Uh, just to get a quick uh, quick and dirty on what CAR-T is, Michael. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I thought that I would go a little Harry Potter on you. Oh, boy. All right. So if I'm in an auditorium or just picture a huge room, right, and I'm wearing an invisibility cloak, how, is it, how easy would it be for you to find me? Uh, incredibly difficult. Yeah, very, very hard, right? But if I took that invisibility cloak off, how easy could you find me? Probably a lot easier. Yeah, I'd be right there. You'd see me immediately. And essentially, that's what CAR-T is doing. Okay, so the immune system, its job is to go out, seek out infections, seek out cancer cells, and kill them, right? Stop them in the, dead in their tracks. But cancer is a tricky, tricky, tricky disease, and it knows how to evade detection. Well, what research just discovered is that if they take T cells out of a patient's body, send them off to a separate facility where scientists can work some magic on them and uh, re-engineer them in a certain way, then send those cells back to the patient, put them inside the body, you've removed the invisibility cloak. And you've done that by telling the T cells specifically to go after a protein called CD19 that is expressed primarily on the surface of these cancer cells. So you've basically given them the mailing address, go seek out and find and destroy these cancer cells. And I think that that's why uh, people are so excited about the potential behind this because you've now unleashed the power of the human body again to find and cure uh, disease. 
And and that's just it's just um, pretty remarkable, especially when you're talking about non-Hodgkin lymphoma in the patient study group uh, that was evaluated. Um, that's backing up AxiCell. I mean, this was a very heavily pretreated uh, group of patients with a very poor prognosis, um, and yet, you know, you had, you know, overall response rates above 80%, and you had complete response rates above 50%, which just absolutely trounces the historical norms for this patient population. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is when you look at uh, Kimraya, and then also AxiCell, you know, these are in are, are currently being pitched in different cancers. But like we've seen in other immuno-oncology, uh, particularly with Merck and Bristol-Myers, what, what you will probably see is both Novartis and Gilead, assuming approval for Gilead, um, taking these drugs and sort of trying to put them in other cancer indications eventually at a point where they start competing directly with each other and that's yeah where yeah yeah things right like you're talking about the investment pros and cons relating to this deal now yeah. right you've got gilead spending almost 12 billion dollars of cash on a, on a company what's the competitive outlook look like i mean how how much of a, of a of a an advanced lead time first mover advantage will they have in AxiCell if it wins approval. Sure. Well, and, and certainly they'll have it in some of these advanced non-Hodgkin's lymphomas, just like Novartis now has it in uh, certain uh, acute lymphoblastic yeah, ALL, leukemia. Pediatric yeah, pediatric ALL. Yeah. So the, the other question then will be, okay, well, what kind of money are these drugs expected to make? So analysts have estimated that AxiCell, most of the estimates I've seen are around $2 billion per year at peak annual sales. So that means that Gilead spent up quite a bit. And there are some question marks around that $2 billion number, right? One of which is <laughs> yeah, but just Michael, how well. that doesn't shock me too much. Sure. Right? I mean, we've seen some deals being done at seven, eight times projected sales or, or you know, even higher in the case of, say, Medivation and, and Pfizer. That was 14 times um, Medivation's take on its drug. So Sure. Well, and I would say I, for the drug on its own, I would think that was a little bit expensive. But when you consider the, the broader pipeline and the fact that Gilead clearly sees this as a, as a long putt, then I think there's a lot more sort of opportunity here, uh, particularly when you consider the fact that Gilead is intending to roll kite into the existing organization as its own division. They basically intend to, at least that's what they've implicated, indicated so far, is that they basically just want to take kite, make it a division of Gilead, and move on. Just give them the tools they need to win. So smart. So smart, right, Michael? Because you don't want to mess with the, you don't want to be cutting to the bone uh, a platform that's just, it's in its early stages and it's so complex. Mm -hmm. CAR-T is not easy, right? This is not a small molecule drug. This is a complex therapy right. and it costs a ton to make this therapy. There's just so many moving pieces. So it's smart. Yeah. Speaking of smart, let's also talk about the timing a little bit. I mean, so we've, we've already kind of talked about the really big stuff, right? They managed to do this before the FDA uh, approved Novartis's uh, Kim Raya. Um, but also, let's face it, biotech M&A in general has been down year over year. Um, a lot of that's due to tax repatriation uncertainty. But you know, here's a number that we'll just put to this. You know, in Q1 of 2016, there were 104 pharma life sciences deals. In Q1 of 2017, 82. In Q2 of 2016, 96. In Q2 of 2017, 67. So certainly seeing some of that deal volume decline, to me, at least, indicates that there's a possibility that Gilead got a better deal than they would have otherwise. Even leaving aside the fact that Kimraya was approved, you know, today. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't. What's interesting to me, there's a, there's so many different pieces to this puzzle, right, Michael? Sure. Um, but I find it really interesting to me that earlier this year, you know, Gilead hired as head of oncology, Alessandro Riva, mm-hmm. who actually came from Novartis. Right. And at Novartis was responsible for ushering CAR T, uh, its CAR T program along. So I suppose that was maybe a hint in the direction that Gilead w- would be heading. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. They probably didn't want to wait too, too long because they knew that there was a good chance of a likelihood of approval. Mm-hmm. You're right, though, that, that, you know, they could have ended up paying much more. We, just, we, won't, we don't know. But even with the amount of money that they're paying, Michael, they have so much cash still left. They could go out and they could buy two or three other companies. I guess that's another investing takeaway. That's probably why you've seen a lot of these other clinical stage cancer drug stocks, you know, rally after the news. Yeah, Juno has been on an absolute tear. Uh, and that's a direct competitor to Kite, by the way. Yeah, no, so I, th- I think there's a lot to, to unpack there. Let's get into their M&A strategy in just a minute. But uh, first, I want to take a moment to talk about the Motley Fool Investment Guide. Um, this book is the succinct summary of our investing philosophy. In my personal opinion, it should be required reading for anyone interested in long-term investing. The third edition features a big update from the second edition and a new section on options and Tom and David's philosophy around that. Check it out at book.fool.com and pre-order your copy before it goes on sale September 5th. Again, that's book.fool.com, The Motley Fool Investment Guide. Thanks. All right, Todd, so let's turn back to Gilead's overall M&A strategy. So this is really the first big, splashy deal they've done since the Pharmacet acquisition in 2011, which was for a similar price point, by the way. It was $11 billion, This one was 11.9. Yeah, they had they had good luck with it that time around. So they did, <laughs> right. they're thinking, hey, eleven billion—that's a good price. We'll we'll buy that. Here's hoping. And what's interesting though, Michael, this is even a more advanced drug than that one, right? Yes, it's an uh, it's completed phase three, whereas sofosbuvir, which was the cornerstone molecule for hepatitis C that Gilead acquired when it bought Pharmacet, was only entering phase three. Yep, yep, and you know, they, Gilead has a history of always wanting to be the dominant player in a particular indication, mm-hmm. right? They've done it in HIV, where they have eighty percent market share. They've done it in hepatitis C, where they have ninety percent market share, thanks to that acquisition of Pharma Asset back in two thousand eleven or whenever the heck it was. Right. And now, you know, with Kite, they're hoping again to have a platform that's going to allow them to dominate an indication. And boy, is it a huge indication. Yeah. You know, oncology, you know, drug sales exceeded $100 billion globally. $100 billion. Yeah. Well, and for, and for me, it's not it's not likely that you know Gilead's going to become the dominant cancer player or anything like that. But it's very, very clear that Gilead thinks that um, cellular therapy, you know, this CAR-T that we've been talking about, is really one of the big futures, if not the big future, and that they view this platform as sort of just like Sophos Bouvier was with Pharmacet and Hepatitis C, their cornerstone for cancer. I'll actually quote from uh, CEO John Milligan, who said in cancer, and I quote, cellular therapy is going to really be really the cornerstone of what we're doing going forward. Um, and, and that's interesting because, you know, Gilead has been signaling for a while that they wanted to get involved in cancer. They've They've made some attempts at cancer drugs in the past, some of which haven't panned out that well, Zydelic being the, the big example. I'll go on record as saying that was a flop. Yep. <laughs> you know, $35 million in trailing uh, sales, last, uh, sales last quarter, you know, $120 million. I mean, some companies would like that, but for Gilead, you know, that's a rounding area. 
Right, and that was their attempt to uh, bring uh, usher in a drug for chronic lymphocytic leukemia, and it just it just did not do well, and that was because of a nasty side effect profile. So this is really their opportunity, hopefully, to build kind of the cornerstone of a platform that can really help launch them in a big way into cancer. Um, yeah, so. Michael. Though, yeah, I suppose we should probably throw some caveats in here, though, sure. right? You know, I, I mean, we we we're excited about this deal because we know that 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 kite via both its CAR-T platform and, you know, it also has another platform that may allow it to, to target solid tumor cancers, which, wow, if, if you could develop a new platform for attacking a disease like non-small lung cancer, then you're talking billions and billions of dollars of sales opportunity there. But at the same time, <clears throat> you know, cancer drug development is incredibly hard and there are significant risks. And we've seen already with Juno Therapeutics, um, that these trials can get derailed quite quite quickly. I mean, we had mm -hmm. patient deaths because of brain swelling in the Juno trials that caused it to get halted, and and that still had the same you know target mechanism of action as Novartis and, and Kite's drugs. Mm -hmm. You've got the so you've got the the risk of trial failure. You've got the risk of death as this rolls out to more patients. What side effects may pop up? We don't know. Um, you, then you've got the, the trials that are currently going on. Will those succeed or will those end up getting sidelined? Um, so, I mean, there are some risks here and hopefully, hopefully for patients and for investors, you know, five years from now, we'll be looking back on this and saying, wow, what a phenomenal buy that was. Sure. So with that in mind, let's talk about what we actually think of the deal here now. I mean, for, you know, Basically, do we like it? As Gilead shareholders, are we pleased? Are we thrilled? Are we scared? Is this terrible? I'll go ahead and lead off because you know I'm posing the question, so it's only fair that I should eat my own cooking here. I like the deal. I like it a lot. I do think that it's a fairly expensive deal, but frankly, every time Gilead has done an acquisition, someone, a lot of people, <laughs> have ended up accusing it of overpaying, and yet it never has, it seems, just about. And so, I'm a big fan of this deal. I think this gives them the platform that they need to sort of make that longer putt into CAR-T. This isn't about one drug. This is about a platform. This is about building a cornerstone set of therapies that can really enable them to carve out just a big dominant area in some of these really difficult to treat cancers. And for me, I think it's going to do great things for shareholders. And I think it's going to do great things for the treatment of cancer. And, and I think Personally, that for me is kind of the win-win. You know, Michael, I think a lot of it, the, the success or failure of this deal or whether or not I like it or not is going to be determined by, you know, how quickly do oncologists approach this for this tough-to-treat population? You know, I mean, about 50% of non-Hodgkin patients can be cured by existing uh, therapies, right? right. So, you know, you, you're, you're talking about a relatively small patient population out of the gate of a few thousand people. Right. A lot of it's going to depend on how it's priced, mm -hmm. you know, which um, which is some people say so, that this could cost what, 600 grand, which is which is the price thing is actually a little bit frustrating because Novartis is supposed to announce prices later today for <laughs> Kim Raya. Right. And we just don't know right now at filming we, uh, what yeah. they're going to do. And so, you know, will Gilead price a little bit below that, a little bit above that, the same? We don't know. But that will at least give us a ballpark. Right, and how will payers view that? Mm -hmm. And then when you go overseas, how will how will countries like like uh, England that use um, that Nice uses is Betrix to to try and figure out what the cost should be for medicines? How right. that will all shake out? I mean, there are some question marks here, but overall, I think you summarized it very nicely. I mean, this gives them a platform that they can use 
to build an oncology franchise. And that's way more important than going out and buying one single drug as one company. And I think that that's very important. And you know what? Yeah, it was expensive at $11.9 billion, but it's not like this is breaking the bank. Right. The company still got $24 billion and you know, cash grew by, I think, $2.5 billion last quarter alone. So there's plenty of money still kicking around to do other deals. So I think this is a, yeah, it's a risky deal, but I, I think that the reward justifies it. And I think it'll be long. I think it has really good chance to be long term positive for investors. Well, the other thing that I'll throw out there is that Gilead's management has made clear that this isn't necessarily their only deal in oncology, that they are willing to buy up additional drugs, potentially other companies, who knows, but that they are, they're willing to invest both in sort of external M&A and also in internal R&D to make sure that they retain leadership in this area. And if that means they have to buy other companies, they've signaled that they're basically pretty willing to do that, to make sure that Kite as Gilead retains its leadership in cancer. So that's a very good sign, I think, for future M&A for Gilead shareholders. I think as shareholders, we can be confident that a lot of that cash is going to get used in the future uh, for this you know, again, sort of maintaining that leadership. And in a lot of ways, that makes sense. More, better treatments, uh, new generations of drugs that can really help uncloak cancer and really strengthen the body's defenses are a win-win, again, both for shareholders and for humanity. Totally agree with all that, Michael. That's- Sums it up really nicely. Oh, well, thank you. Um, by the way, I had forgotten to mention earlier, when I was talking about um, those uh, M&A, that deal volume, that was data from PwC and S&P Capital IQ. So thanks to PwC and Cap IQ. That's it for this week's healthcare show. Questions, comments? You can always reach us at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.